We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. It's Friday. That means it's Front Office Friday. That's right. Let's go. It's Friday. We're going to get ready for a big weekend with a live NBA front office show. I'm Trevor Lane. Find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane. Joined by Keith Smith at Keith Smith NBA. Uh, Keith, it's Friday. We've got a weekend coming up. And uh, have you seen the playoff race in the Western Conference? I, I mean, I've seen whatever we're calling that, you know, incredible, massive teams. But, yeah, I'm super excited uh, to see how that plays out. Because if I have this right, did the Thunder go from, like, seventh to – or I guess maybe eighth to out uh, with their yeah. last, last night? And, yeah, it's crazy. I love it. They're 11th. There are six teams tied with 37 losses right now. <laughs> six. So what is happening? And then the Warriors have 36 losses. The Clippers have 35. The Suns 34. Like that, that that's four through 12 that all <laughs> that all potentially are, are in play here in the West. I mean, this is it's, it's going to be crazy these last these last couple of weeks. I mean, look, it, maybe it doesn't touch March Madness and everything we saw going on in that UCLA game uh, <laughs> sure. last night, but or the Kansas this State, is, State game. yeah, right. I mean, but but this is this is insane. And you have to you have to imagine somewhere Adam Silver is is smiling. Oh, no doubt. I mean, this is exactly why they put in the play in tournament. It was designed to two pieces, I guess, were the play in tournament and the changing of the lottery odds that rebalanced everything. Because what that does is that says teams are in it longer with something real to play for. And then teams don't have to be horrifically bad right from the start of the season because there's no reason to race all the way to the bottom. So I think that is, uh, you know, those two things combined have mostly eliminated the more egregious tanking we saw in the, the league over the years. I think the other really fun part of this too is they have created a, a, a kind of secondary race, which is the race for six, right? As you're mm -hmm. trying to get in to that top six and push yourself uh, into the assured playoff spot. So that's a whole other race now that, that we keep an eye on and watch. And that's, that's really a fun race in both conferences. Cause uh, even though the East is a little more defined than the West around that six line, there's still quite a bit to go. So a lot of fun basketball to come down the stretch here. Keith, Annika Mohan says, Trevor and Keith is like an Austin Reeves, Derek White backcourt. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I, I like, I like that. So, so far, we've had checking in from Singapore, which is awesome, uh -huh. uh, Poland, and Liverpool. So 
uh, Liverpool, England. So yeah, so we got right. you know, worldwide, man. Pe- people love a uh, front office show all around the world. And those of you in the U.S., Rude Jude said you guys should do this more often. Midday it helps us get through the workday, enjoying some basketball with Keith and Trev. I hope that you are uh, that you're being very stealthy in how you're concealing the fact that you're watching <laughs> the NBA front office show when you're supposed to be working. Uh, we we give out a few tips like hiding the earbud, you know, pulling up the hoodie or whatever if you're in an environment that lets you do that. But uh, but yeah, good luck to all of you who are are working and listening to the front office show or watching us. At the same time, um, let's talk a little bit about this. So there's there's Anthony Davis. An incredible article came out today from from Dave McMenamin, uh, and there have been a little bit of buzz that Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Oh, maybe they really don't like each other that much. Maybe <laughs> they don't don't get along that well. He says me and Bron have one of the best relationships I think in the NBA as far as duos or teammates. Regardless, they don't see that. They don't see the stuff we do off the court. The time we hang out with each other, they see on court stuff uh dennis schroeder agreeing that um that his experience with the lakers this season has been even better keith sometimes we see the lack of something you don't see anthony davis and and lebron james just putting their arms around each other constantly and so people just assume oh well they maybe maybe there's some friction there or something like that um ad coming out and saying no that's that that's not the case you guys don't get to see every single thing um that we do when we're hanging out all the activities that we do yeah, I, I think the other thing that's really interesting with this too is I think a lot of it goes back to AD. It was, you know, it was weird the way he reacted when LeBron broke the record. And yeah, but I think you know, people wanted him to like run and tackle LeBron or something. Like I don't know what people expected, but it's yeah, I think this is a lot of you know, people look for stuff and they, they love drama. So they want to create it where they can, if there is none and those sorts of things. And I think the reality is we sometimes forget that, that these are grownups. Like I don't run around hugging the people at, well, I don't work in an office anymore, but I didn't run around <laughs> hugging them all the time and all sorts of stuff like that. So I don't know why people would expect that from uh, NBA players. So you, you saw all the craziness yesterday. With, so Lakers, just to put some context here, Lakers fans were on pins and needles, like high alert yesterday, because it was supposed to be the day that LeBron was going to be reevaluated <laughs> based on the dates that had been put out there and everything. Okay, LeBron's going to be reevaluated. Maybe finally we'll know, hey, when is he coming back? That information comes out. You know, they, they put it out there. Uh, uh, Dave McMenamin said something about uh, April 5th. And then you had, you know, Woj and Shams and Chris Haynes and you know, all, the, all the top people plugged in as you can get saying, oh, yeah, he's going to try to come back with a few games left in the season, which is perfectly reasonable and exactly what anyone would expect. Even if you were just trying to guess, that's what people would, would guess. So that's not crazy for that to be out there. And then LeBron kind of pushed back on all of that, said there's no <laughs> yeah. date, there's no timetable, there's none of this, there's no sources and all of that. What were your thoughts? Because we had plenty of opinions from within Lakers Nation on that. Yeah, I think it's probably more than anything. I think it's just LeBron trying to temper expectations because he knows if if all this is out there and then for some reason he's not back in one of those last three to four games of the year that people are going to jump all over and be like, oh, see, LeBron doesn't care. He doesn't really want to play and all the nonsense that'll get said. And then I think he's also very aware that that'll cause – 
just battleground between LeBron fans and Lakers fans. We've talked about that quite a bit, that those are two different camps with a shared interest uh, for now um, in seeing the team do well. But for the most part, they'll, they'll go to battle. And I think, you know, for him, it's like, I, I'm just going to basically say, hey, let's all relax unless you hear it direct from, from me or uh, from the team doctor of I'll be back X date. Like, let's all just you know go while also saying and making it clear, I'm working really hard to, to get back. So I, I don't know that we're going to see it, uh, you know, change anything materialistically with his timeline or anything like that. But but we'll, we'll, we'll see how that all comes together. And that was the crazy thing, too, was part of the story came directly from the Lakers. Yeah. And LeBron yeah. was like, there's been like the Lakers said he he's progressing with on court work, which would require some type of evaluation to, to determine <laughs> that. And LeBron, no, there's been no evaluation. That's from That's, the Lakers. So that means the Lakers and LeBron. There's friction. There it is. There's Talk friction there. Uh oh. That's it. LeBron. LeBron Fire up the trade out. machine. <laughs> yep. That's it. Fire it up. <laughs> uh, yeah, Andrew get a little too crazy. That's well. It comes comes with the territory, especially this time of year. Uh, Keith and Trevor, this is Andrew Escamilla said, will, when will you do a live show in real life? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, summer league? yeah, probably summer league is our best chance. Uh, we're, we're not exactly neighbors here. It's not like yeah. we live next door to each other. It can make it very easy to get together to, to do a, you know, in-person live show. So probably summer league, we'll, we'll try to do something, you know, presuming, you know, I think the plan is for both of us to be there uh, this year. So if we're, we're both out there, yeah, I think we'll try to do something together. Yeah. I think that sounds like a plan. Uh, somebody said, Trevor, thank you for streaming three times today. Well, I'm going to do a live stream. Uh, we'll have the live post game show. Oh, the, the play by play during the game. That's what we're thinking of. Yes. Uh, we also do that two to two different streaming options. I th- tend to think of that as one long, you know, stint for me because <laughs> I, I do the play-by-play for the game and then we go into the post-game show but technically yes that is two different streams i i think i can say this with all honesty it's not just because you're my buddy and my co-host here but i don't know that anybody works any harder covering the lakers than you do i mean well, you are you. you know non-stop all, all day long so yeah i uh i you know constantly there's times when i'm like texting you and you're like yeah i'm doing a thing right now i'll get back to you and i'm like about what? And it's like, oh, this, <laughs> you know, Lakers guy sneezed and fans want to know if he's going to be out tonight. So I have to do a video. And I'm like, okay, sure. Lakers had a passing thought about signing DeMarcus Cousins. So here's we're <laughs> yeah, going right. to need to cover that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the way it goes. But it, it comes with the territory and I certainly can't can't complain. I love it. And uh, yeah, definitely fortunate to get to, get to do this. That's for sure. Um, Bruce Barnes says, Keith, I just want you to know that Trevor said he hates the Celtics more than he likes you. Well, I would expect that. I would hope. When did I I, say that? (laughs) He's probably making it up. See, they're (laughs) trying to start division. I'm telling you, man, people love drama. Oh, 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 oh. I know. So on one of our last live streams, somebody posed this question to me. And I'll I'll ask you you this, too, because I have a feeling you're going to have the same answer. Okay. So, so Keith, if you had, let's say, the Lakers – offered me a job and they offered you a job and you and I would work together or you had the opportunity to go work for any of the 29 other NBA teams. I would go work for the Lakers and you would work for one of those 29 other NBA teams. What would you pick? Same job and everything. Like like same level of job. Same level, same level of job. Like we would work in, in some capacity together, but you would have to work for the Lakers or you could work for any other 
NBA team. And we would still, it's then the job stays the same. Uh, I think I would probably work for another team. Yes. I don't think that changes anything as far as our friendship goes. I think we'd right. still, you know, talk all the time and be friends. But yeah, I, I, if I can get the same exact job with another team, sure. But I've been on record. If the Lakers wanted to hire me to come in and be like an, an in-house cap guy for them, I would paint my house yellow and purple. A hundred percent. See, that's uh, and it was Bruce Barnes who asked me that that question. And and I said the same thing. So I'm I'm not offended in the slightest because I yeah. he he posed it from the Celtics perspective. I said no, I would go work for for another team. And that and frankly, the Celtics would probably just look at my Twitter history and be like, oh, we're not hiring this guy. <laughs> Especially recently, where it's been like yeah, Celtics are playing the Blues. Hornets, and you're like root for the Hornets. Like, yeah. Does this impact the Lakers at all? Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's just, it's it is. Uh, I'm embracing the, the petty. Yeah, you should be. That's how it should be. Uh, Bagsky asks if the Lakers and Celtics do meet in the finals, will you do a live stream together to analyze the game play by play? I don't know that we'll do the play by play together. Yeah. We 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 both cover games live very very differently um, mm -hmm. because I do a, a fairly long extensive write up after the games, so it, it's a little bit different with that. But I think it's um, we probably maybe something post game. I would assume we would do or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We would do a post game or, or something along those lines. Bruce Barnes, no, it was not offensive at all. It was a funny question. Yeah. Uh, it was funny. I, okay. I liked it. Um, yes, get those questions coming in. Keep them coming in. Front Office Fridays is your show. This is your chance to ask whatever you guys want to want to talk about, whatever you guys want to get into. We're, we're happy to pull questions from the chat and go, mm -hmm. go from there. So this is your show on a Friday. Uh, would you guys switch teams for one day from tweets to your ward wardrobe, LOL? What like like what was that what was that movie from ages ago? Parent swap or something yeah. like that? Yeah, was parent, that it? Yeah, something uh Freaky Friday. Right? Yeah, but Where there was the like, other one, like Lindsay Lohan oh. before she was Lindsay Lohan. Yeah, isn't that Freaky Friday? I don't know. Parent Trap? Parent Trap, maybe that's it. Okay, right? maybe I don't they're, know. They're they're twins and they switch lives or something. Yeah, maybe. Know. Might be. But the answer is no. I don't own any uh I don't own anything that's purple and yellow so yeah i certainly don't own any lakers gear yeah and that and us taking over each other's twitter accounts would not go yeah very well. it would just people would be weirded out by that and they wouldn't understand it so um okay rude jacob says in your what are your opinions on the best i don't think that is there what that means conference is it supposed to be conference for the playoffs i i'm i'm guessing it's what is the best outcome like what matchups do you want to see what are we how are we hoping oh, okay. things settle hmm. um i mean as always we hope the finals is celtics lakers um that's you know but that's just complete you know us being biased for both ways and uh living in the nba elite elitism as we do that we would like those to be the uh top uh uh teams there um Hmm. Oh, he I says it's know. contenders. I mean, contenders oh, for the playoffs? Best I mean, contenders for playoffs? Uh, I, I mean, I think we're there, right? We kind of know. Yeah. Like contenders actually make it or contenders. I, I want to be fair and answer the question with what he's intending. Like teams that have the best chance to win in the playoffs? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the best teams to win, like 
what Denver, Memphis, Phoenix, when they get KD back, right? Those are probably the top options in the West. And then, of mm-hmm. course, Milwaukee, Boston, Philly in the East. And then I think there's a tier break. And Got it. Uh, yeah. There. So that's yeah. what I would guess. Yep. So those three in the East, for me, I don't think anybody else in the East has a chance. And I would probably rank them Boston, Milwaukee, Milwaukee, Boston, 1-1-A. And mm-hmm. then Philly just below. I don't see anybody else from the East getting through. Uh, for the um, for the West, it, it's far more wide open. I think Denver, for sure, can maybe this is the year. I think the Suns, the Warriors, I'm not going to count them out um, of, of the mix by any means. I think the Grizzlies, if they can get guys back and kind of uh, resettle enough time. If Paul George can play, I'm going to put the Clippers in that mix too. Um I, I'm, and it's not that I'm doubting the Lakers. I just think it's really hard to win three series on the road as a you know, much Fair. lower seed to get there. But I think, you know, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they would make a, if they could make a run too, because just, you know, you've got LeBron, you've got an AD, and now you have a roster that really makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I think the playoffs are going to be really exciting this year, uh, in part because. Mm-hmm. When we say, like, who could be a contender here, like, especially in the West, I mean, I named off the top three, and then I left, and I didn't even mention Golden State. I mean, I guess maybe with Golden State, it's more important than any team in all of history if they have home court advantage or not, um, <laughs> yeah. given their their road record. But you've got these teams that could at least pose some type of a real threat. And most mm-hmm. likely, yeah, it's, it's probably Milwaukee and Boston when the dust settles in the East, and most likely it's going to be, like, Denver and Phoenix or Denver and Memphis or something like that in the West, but you've got these other teams that could be a real threat uh, in both conferences. And I think that's going to make the playoffs uh, really exciting this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, this is a good question. And I don't fully know the answer to this. So to uh, Leon said, how much extra money does a team make for making the first round of the playoffs? Now I know a lot of that's going to depend on in arena sales and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, how would it compare to the value of a lottery pick? So, What's the? Do you have any idea what the what a general number is as far as how much extra money a team gets from? Let's say you go out, you get swept in the first round, so you get two home playoff games. What's yeah. the monetary value of that? Yeah, and this just actually came up a couple of weeks ago when all the revenue sharing came out, which is a combination of the tax money plus the additional revenue sharing that that happens uh, in league. And part of what happens in that is is playoff games and are they um playoff games in big arenas with big fan bases that will sell out so the warriors for example making it all the way to the finals made a lot of money for everybody because everybody gets a chunk of that money um it's weird the value it's it's not a you're kind of comparing apples and oranges comparing making a first round to a lottery pick because the lottery pick in itself has no monetary value it actually costs you money yeah right but now, if you were, say, let's say you're the the Pelicans, for example, and you could be the, the team that makes it into the playoffs or you could get the number one pick in the lottery. Well, of course, then you'd rather have the number one pick than get yeah. bounced in the first round of the playoffs. That's just the reality. But not generally, if you're that close on the borderline, you're going to be picking 13th, 14th, something like that in the lottery. So then that becomes a little bit different. So I think it's 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 not an apples orange comparison. And the teams they they make money, but generally it's very dependent on the team. If it's a team that's been kind of building, you've been moving up, you've been moving up, moving up, 
you want that first round playoff series because you want that experience. You want to get into the playoffs. You want to go through them once uh, versus, you know, yeah, you're going to make some extra money, but I don't know that that's the overall focus there. I think it's more about competitiveness and uh, what's best for your team in the moment. Yeah. And I think it's the excitement around the team. So like this mm -hmm. question, this person says lottery pick is just potential potential. You must use energy or money to generate potential. Yeah. But if you get like whoever gets Wembenyama, ticket prices yeah. are going up next year. Like sure. that's just, that's just reality. That's going, that's going to happen. Season ticket sales are going to go up. Like you're going to, there is a monetary value to getting that guy. If it's uh you've got the ninth pick or something like that and you get a prospect and the guy does okay in summer league but there's not like a ton of buzz that's not going to be nearly as valuable as say like a, a playoff push yeah. in terms of just bottom bottom line financial windfall would be um yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it does completely kind of change things in that respect where it becomes very, very different uh, with that. So, yeah. Um, let's go. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This one. Mike Garcia said, do both of you have the Suns coming out of the West next year? Oh, I don't know. I don't know what the rosters are going to look like yet. Yeah, that's the problem. That's yeah, the problem. I, I mean, they're going to be in the mix for sure because they'll have sure. KD, Booker, Aiden, Paul, presumably. But they, you know, I don't know if another team loads up and gets guys, then they might be the favorite. So, yeah, it's, it's too early to pick. I mean, I think they made the KD trade with the intention of being contenders for the you know next at least two, three seasons at least. So they'll be in that mix, but I don't know that I would go that far. So much of what they're going to do or don't do, it's going to be dependent on health, of course, and that's that's very difficult to predict. And then, who do they get to take less to come there? Yeah, right. That's that's going to be important for them this summer. Who do they get to say, you know what? I'll go j join Phoenix on a veteran minimum and try to win a championship. Who can you get uh, in that type of circumstance? That can often matter with these teams that are so top heavy as well. Um, Alan says, good, "Sorry, I want to say one more thing on the Suns too. Uh, under the new ownership group." I think if Sarver still owned the team, it would be more likely you would see someone like maybe campaign get waived next year. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they knocked that, that uh, about 4.5 million guaranteed off the books. But I think what we'll see in this case is they will keep him. And then that becomes, all right, he's a decent backup player, but it's also a $6.5 million trade chip that we have now that we could use. I think a guy like Ish Wainwright, it's more likely that they'll pick up that team option. Whereas with Sarver, it was always 
cost-cutting move after cost-cutting move after cost-cutting move. For example, they sat and are still sitting on most of the taxpayer mid-level. I would not expect that next year. I think they'll use that probably to its full extent to bring in a player, a rotation guy. And then from there, they'll move it forward with filling out with minimums. But it's just a different environment now for the Suns, which is a good news for the for Suns fans. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And they're they're going to be much more willing to spend. Uh, Alan says, do you see a team trading a haul to get Damian Lillard? No, because um, I don't think the don't think they're gonna trade him. Yeah. I mean I, I don't we can keep bringing it up and bringing it up, but he doesn't want to trade, they don't want to trade him. So it's not I they don't know that we're ever gonna see this happen. We're, we're kind of conditioned to just assume that he's going to be traded, right? Because this is what happens. If there's a really good player on a team that just can't quite get over the hump, uh, ultimately that player wants to go somewhere else where they can, right? Where they can win a championship. Maybe that's not as important to, to Damian Lillard. And I'm not going to fault him for that. That's, that's okay. If he's made yeah. the decision, you know what? Being a guy that's on one team for my entire career, having this, this uh, establishing what I've done here in Portland, and seeing that all the way through is more important to me. That's fantastic. You know, more more power to him. And he stands out in an era where we're seeing we're seeing guys jump around team to team more often, which has been great for the league. Don't get me wrong. But um, if Lillard says this is my priority, and if it's clear that, and I think the Blazers will still try to win. I'm not saying they're just saying, "Well, we're done," and throwing their hands up. I think they'll try to win. But if the reality is that they just don't have an opportunity to do that, and he's made the decision that staying in Portland is more important. Then jumping ship and going and finding a contender, great. That that's fantastic. Great, great for him, and and he will go down as the greatest blazer ever. Yep. Yeah. I mean, he may, he, is he already? already yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, because I mean, the guys who won championships, the best guy on that team was Bill Walton, but his run with Portland was so short due to the injuries that he had. So then it's really became between uh, Dame and Clyde Drexler. And yes, Drexler got them over the hump a couple times and into the finals, but never, you know, that never won one. So I think that's always going to kind of, you know, leave them a little more even in that respect. And then I think Dame has the full, uh, you know, he's been there. He's been there, you know, uh, longer by the time it all ends because, you know, Clyde didn't finish his career there. He ended up finishing it out in Houston. So, so I think it's, yeah, he's, he's not going to go anywhere and that's why for me there's no i don't even get involved in those trade conversations really more because i just don't think it's going to happen yeah yeah i i agree uh sam said with all the drama with the refs this year do you think the league will do anything next year we've had a number of different people commenting on the state of nba officiating and and how it's been and how it's not been good and and all of that the NBA, they're constantly looking at things during the offseason. They're constantly looking at how can we improve the product. We know every year it seems like there's a new focus for the refs. Um, this year, we, you know, the take foul rule in years past, it's been uh, not rewarding players who initiate contact on the offensive end. And that kind of, there's ebbs and flows to that, um, which we've certainly seen. But do we see anything significant happening this summer with, uh, with officiating, given there's been a lot of high profile blown calls this year yeah we've had that we've had players singling out referees more than i think we've ever seen uh in the past i think we've also seen things like for me i've brought this up on twitter is we have seen more um 
pool reports at the end of games. It used to be we would get like two or three of those an entire season. And now some nights we get two or three of them. And I don't know if it's just more reporters are like, hey, we can we we can ask for them. So let's let's do it. Or if it's just, you know, there's more going on now than has gone on before. So I, I think we're probably hitting a point. Let's see what happens in the playoffs. If there's a real mess in the playoffs, then I think it becomes even more important that we do some mm-hmm. stuff as far as let's figure some things out here. But I, I don't know how you fix it because I've watched a lot of college basketball over the last two weeks. And if you think when the minute you think NBA refs are bad, turn on a college game and you'll see, you know, how much worse it could be. So it's, it's one of those things where it's tough. It's a, it's a difficult job. And more often than not, I think there's a lot of things that are to blame with this. It's, Pretty rare we get a LeBron drives to the basket and was very obviously fouled and should add free throws at the very end of a game play. Those are pretty rare. It's more something happened with six minutes left in the third quarter that was egregious. And you had a whole, you know, 18 minutes of game time to make up for it. And in those cases, that's where I think the league's kind of like, hey, you know, we get it, we blew it, but you know, you had enough time to come back from that and fix it. So it's it's that it's chicken or the egg a little bit i guess is you know is 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 it as big a problem as it seems i think there is something going on though and we'll we'll see something come out of this for sure i mean people say like robot refs and stuff it's just not possible with today's technology for the nba like baseball okay the strike zone right you could you find you can do that but there's too much going on on a basketball court to try to do something like that the technology isn't there and and so because of that you are in some ways limited to to just the frailty of human eyes and ears and, and all of that, right? That's just, they, these guys are going incredibly fast. These are some of the greatest athletes on the planet. And a lot of them are doing things with the intent of fooling the referees. So not only do you have this incredible speed, this, this game that can be played at a breakneck pace, but you also have guys that are doing things to try to get the referees to make a call in a certain way. So it's an extremely difficult, difficult job. It's a difficult thing. Now I will say though, the one thing that I think they can address and maybe should be addressed is we've seen a few players that have talked about the interpersonal relationships between players and refs have not been good this year. That you've got certain yes. referees who aren't willing to talk to the players, don't want to hear it. There's, you know, there's um, maybe some inherent bias there just with a, a certain referee's personality, not meshing with the player's personality or whatever. That type of, of thing, that's something you can actually improve. You can't improve the human eye's ability to pick up on these things or whatever, but the relationship side, that's something you could make some strides on uh, this summer. Yeah, and somebody in the chat said four or five refs. I don't know that we need that because then you're getting into they're going to be in the way. You know, where, where are you going to put yeah. them that they're they're not in the way? Uh, with that, definitely no more review. I would honestly, I'd be in favor of just get rid of the reviews altogether uh, versus adding more to the review process because I, I'd rather just, all right, they made a mistake and – We'll all yell about it for a day and then we all move on versus seeing every night, you know, all right, cool. What a fun back and forth game. Let's have a five minute review while we, yeah. you know, slow things down to a speed no one could have ever seen anything at. So, yeah, I, I'm not big on that. Um, let's see. Oh, somebody said hello from Australia. Hey, we got people. Good day, mate. People coming in from from all over the world uh, and hanging out, talking some hoops with us. Um, let's see what else we've, we've got going on here. I went back oh, because I thought I saw 
something. Do you want to talk a little bit about Kyrie here? Sure. All right. Bagsky said Lakers signing Kyrie would result in three stars, a taxpayer mid-level exception player, and 10 better minimum guys in Max Christie. Same result if a sign-and-trade is executed to get Kyrie. No can do. No, can't do a sign and trade anyway. They they wouldn't be able to. Can't do a sign and trade if the at the end of it you'll be above the taxpayer or above the uh, the tax apron, and they would end up above the tax apron in any realistic sign and well, trade they could do. So, and that's that's the point I was making. People people have been saying this is just to you know give you a peek into Lakerland. Uh, whenever D'Angelo Russell has a bad shooting game, they uh, it becomes well double sign and trade D'Lo for Kyrie D'Lo for Kyrie right like that's that's what we see particularly after that Dallas game when when Kyrie yeah. was great D'Lo struggled so it was D'Lo for Kyrie double sign and trade and I was trying to explain that you know, because people think oh you could just you could keep most of the roster do a sign and trade and you're good off you go I'm like no actually you would have to it would just it would almost be the same as if you were signing him in free agency where you have to gut the entire roster and then get him to take 35 million or something like that or 34 30 whatever um you would have to part with most of your Rui Hachimura, goodbye, you know, all Malik Beasley, goodbye, like all these guys you would have to say goodbye to in order to execute that double sign and trade. And then you're dealing with a hard cap. Yeah, and that's it. And that's yeah, it's 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 certainly not gonna happen. I I, I don't think. Um, you know, I, I I think it's most likely Kyrie resigns for a full max in Dallas, mm-hmm. and then we probably have something within a couple of years where he doesn't want to be there anymore. And he's off to another team. That's the, you know, and if you're the Mavs, you hope it doesn't end up costing you Luca where it upsets you so much that you lose Luca too. I'm just, and that's not me hating on Kyrie. It's just, that's how it's gone. Now the last, you know, three places he's been, he didn't want to be there anymore and asked to move on to a different place. And that's not the necessarily even a bad thing. I, I just think you need to be prepared for that if you're a team. Uh, somebody says my hat doesn't fit me. <laughs> okay, I like this. Is like my favorite what? hat. Doesn't fit you. Why Come doesn't on. fit you? Yeah, how does it not fit me? Yeah. I tilted it up a little bit so my because my lights are coming from above and so it wouldn't cast too much of a shadow. But <laughs> I mean, I like it. The black on black yeah. looks good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Somebody uh, said way earlier. They asked. Um, we uh, Tam the pessimist said. Uh, we probably really familiar with Trevor's Lakers background, but how did, but what about you? How did the Celtics make your heart beat? I grew up in Boston in the Larry Bird uh, era. So that was, it's that simple of an origin story for me as a Celtics fan. I was like, grew up there. Every, every kid wanted to be number 33. Every team I played on when they were like, what team, what, what should we name our team? Whether it was soccer, baseball, or anything. It was, we want to be the Celtics. It got mm. so bad in my hometown, in our bitty league basketball, there were no Celtics anymore. They got rid of them because everybody was so angry if they weren't on yeah. the Celtics. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you know, it's probably like a lot of guys my age who grew up on the West Coast with Match Johnson. It's a you know, very, very similar you know, story there. So, yeah. Yep, I remember that well. We all wanted to be the Lakers. I wound up on the Clippers, Keith. It was... <laughs> I was on the Clippers. That was my first team, too. And was you it? know what's funny? My my first year on the Clippers, we went 0-15. <laughs> so very, very, very Clipper-like, especially during that era. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was a, I remember I got super into – I became a really big Danny Manning fan because it was oh. like, well, I'm on the Clippers. Who's on the Clippers? And 
in Massachusetts at the time, I was getting the, uh, I would ask my mom, my mom was like first edition newspaper lady, like she'd get the first edition of the paper. So the West Coast scores were never in there. And oh. then I'd be like, can you pick me up a late edition too? So I can look at the West Coast box scores. Because keep in mind, I'm old enough. There was no internet to just pull up the box yep. score and look at. So it was, you, know, you were waiting for the newspaper. Oh, back in the day, back in the day. Um, Manning and Pooh Richardson back in the day. Poo poo kachu. Uh Alan says with the Thunder getting back, uh, getting Chet back next year, what West teams do you see potentially falling out of the playoffs? I mean, I like what's that? I like this question. This is a fun yeah. one. And and I think the Thunder, look, even if you didn't add the part about Chet being back next year, mm -hmm. I think the Thunder are gonna be really good next year. Yeah. I think they've got a lot of opportunities this summer. Um, I think just there's going to be that organic growth from them because they're such a young team and they're already they're playing tremendous basketball. Um, I, I've loved what we've seen from them. So who is it that you see as the Thunder are most likely rising, or at least as we could predict right now, going to be rising next season? Do you see teams taking a, taking a step back in the West and maybe falling out? I do. I think um, you know, if we get into some of the teams that are currently above them in the standings, uh, it's very easy to see everything kind of going sideways on Minnesota. A couple of other guys are a little older. Um, that could could really end up super messy for them. Uh, I think the Warriors, they're already, you know, hovering around 500. And if they continue to just be old and injury prone and those things, that could be kind of messy in that situation. Let's see what the Lakers do. I'm not trying to pick and cause a fight here, but <laughs> no, let's you're see fine. what happens. Right. I mean, they've got work to do on the roster. So that's a, you know, the, the team for sure that, that you could see. I think the teams that are behind Portland already or behind OKC, like Portland and Utah, San Antonio, Houston, they're going to be better than those teams. New Orleans, if Zion and Ingram continue to miss time, I think OKC will be better than them. And then Dallas is another one that they're, you know, in a weird spot roster wise. So, yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of opportunity for teams. And then one of the teams I didn't mention, the wheels will come off and it'll all go sideways for them because that's how it goes every year. Some team is always never as good as we think they were going to be preseason. Well, and that's just it. You know, think about how many teams you, you named and then you just mentioned, you know, injuries. Like that's, you just never know. You never, I mean, it's, it's possible the Thunder suffered some injuries and then they can't, you know, get where we expect them. Uh, the Mavs though, they haven't been as good. I don't have the exact record with Kyrie in front of me, and I know they've been dealing with injuries, but I don't think it's been exactly what they hoped it would be when they paired Luka and Kyrie yet. And a long way to go, and there's, sometimes there's some growing pains in the beginning, but should the Mavs be concerned at all at, at this point? Keith, I think you're muted there. I am muted. There we go. There you go. We'll figure this out eventually. It's only been like four <laughs> years of doing this. That's all. Um, it's uh, the roster's a mess around those guys. It's um, I am now kind of in favor of, and if you're not really gonna fully like lean into playing Christian Wood, maybe try to use him in a sign and trade for guys that you think fit better around the guys you have. They have to add real rim protection because. Let's face it, if you're building your team around Luke and Kyrie, you're never going to be in a position where you're going to be a really good you know, defensive team. So you need somebody who can clean things up behind them. And then you need shooting and defense around those guys. You need guys like Josh Green to continue to develop. You need to go get your version of 
Contavious Caldwell Pope, Bruce Brown, those kind of mm-hmm. guys. But your challenge is you don't have the resources to do it. So you're just kind of stuck. So unless you're going to start throwing more draft picks in the trades, which kind of makes it important, right, that they kept, uh, they only sent the one pick, which is pretty far down the line now in the Kyrie trade. Um, but unless you're starting to send more picks out, you're you're probably kind of stuck-ish. And, and that's a roster that's not, it's not terrible, but it's just not good enough. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's just it. Like the Mavs were permanently in that position of, who are they going to get to play alongside Luca? Now they got that guy, but are you able to build a team around the two of them? And then do those two guys fit well together, Kyrie and, and Luca? The point where you say, okay, this is it. This is our group. And let the titles come, or let the, you know, the, at least the championship window is now open. And I don't think you can say that just yet. Now, again, though, it's it takes time for players to figure out how to play together. And maybe by next season, Dallas has put some different pieces in place. Um, we talked about this, I think it was, what, day before yesterday, that one of the downsides of the trade deadline being when it is in the schedule is sometimes it's, it's hard to make that move and then build that chemistry and everything before the playoffs. So what we're seeing out of Dallas right now is not what I'm assuming their their final form, as it were, will, will be. I think that we can see them make some moves around the margins and things for next season and kind of go from there. But um, yeah, it still hasn't been kind of the, the start to the Kyrie Luca era that I think they were hoping for. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's, it's really, uh, it's hard to do that with 25 ish games to go and then injuries on top and all that stuff gets, gets really, really uh, difficult with with that. So yeah, that's, that's definitely true. Yeah. I mean, keep wood and play him sure but like you have to then you have to actually play him uh, could you get thomas bryant from denver i i mean i like thomas bryant but he's not a great defensive guy either so no, you you if you're keeping christian wood and you're going to start him at the four and play luca and Kyrie, you need like rudy gobert back there to you know uh, take care of that defense because it's going to be pretty pretty messy he might be available could be oh my gosh you you can't if you're minnesota you can't can't. like that would be if you turned around and traded him for like not even half of what (laughs) you sent out to utah to get him like oh my goodness what's crazy too is it's almost like now they have a built-in excuse of well we didn't really get to see it because cat was out for two-thirds of the season so you know we don't really know how this is gonna look so now they can kind of work back next year Mm mm-hmm uh, Kid Compton Compton, I believe this is the one from Australia, said, uh, who do you see as an underdog this year that can make a run in the playoffs? Hmm. Uh, the Warriors, for sure. I'm not yeah. out on them yet. I think I already said it. I think the Lakers could be tough. I think, uh, you know, despite just crapping all over them, Dallas could maybe do something. Sure. Uh, in the East, the only real team outside of the top three, um, that would be an underdog because I don't think anybody considers Cleveland to be like a real underdog would be Miami. And that's just believing in the, the history there, right. Of Spolster and Butler and those guys, I think they'll, they'll be a tough out uh, as well, but it, it's more teams in the West just because yeah. you don't, you know, the teams at the top, you don't feel super confident in because they haven't done it yet in the playoffs, Denver, Memphis, and obviously not Sacramento. Um, it hasn't been there, so you certainly don't know what to expect with them. So, yeah, I think you are in, in a position to believe in the teams below more so than you are in the East. 
this is an interesting question here. And I agree with you that the West probably has more opportunity for an upset than the Eastern Conference does. But Cyrax said, why is it so difficult to build around Luka? Uh, they had the same question as the Cavs building around LeBron in the, in the first stint. Why is it so... I mean, Luka is an incredible talent. Uh, they they run a very... I mean, now you've got Kyrie, but before Kyrie, I mean, a very heliocentric system, right? Where it's everything revolves around Luka. What in, what is inherently so difficult about putting together a winning roster around him? It's what you just said, it, it's everything revolves around that player. When a player is that ball dominant, you need guys who are, one, they're really good away from the ball, whether it be as cutters or shooters, and then you need guys who are fully willing to buy into our main contribution here is going to be what we do defensively while then also making some shots. Yeah. So Luca is, he is, I've said this basically since year one, he is the European white right-handed version of James Harden. That's, you know, with the Rockets, that that's what he is. That's what the offense is. It, it's, you know, it's, it's the same thing, right? It's, it's, you got to put defenders around him. You got to put guys who can hit shots, guys who will cut and guys who will really be okay with that role. You need PJ Tucker's of the world, the Patrick Beverly's of the world. The Mavs have not hit on those guys necessarily. Even their guys who I think are, uh, in a spot where that's where they want them to be. Those guys are, Still, like like Reggie Bullock and Tim Hardaway Jr., they need more shots, more regularly uh, to those kind of things. So, so that that's where it gets to to be a very different p- position uh, for Dallas compared to where Houston was. But that's what makes it hard, you know. When you have a guy like that who is, you know, they're going to be the thing everything runs through. Then you've got to get it, you know, figured out with all of the spots around them, and that's a hard, hard thing to pull off. It is. And it's, uh, as you said, that's not easy for a role player to step into that sort of situation, knowing, hey, we might go 10 possessions and I don't touch the ball. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that's that's and not if easy. I'm a big. I got to keep running the floor hard every mm-hmm. time, because if I don't, the one time that I didn't is the time I could have got it. Right. Well, so you got you got to that's hard to ask a guy to do. But here's here's the other piece to this that makes it that much more difficult. If you look at where value is in the NBA. Who's getting paid right now? Mm-hmm. It's the kind of guys that the Mavs need. Those are the guys that are becoming expensive. When we look at, you know, I'm not talking about max salary guys, but if you have a traditional big, back to the basket big that can't step out and shoot a three, but is a pretty skilled player, and you have a wing that can shoot the three and is an equally skilled player to that that big the wing is getting paid several times more than than the big is simply because everybody is looking for those wings that can shoot the three that can defend a little bit has size to switch defensively right everybody's looking for those guys and that is what the Mavs need that's what so many teams need really hard to get those guys because the demand for them is just is just so high yeah yeah that's exactly no you're spot on with that that that's the yeah it becomes very very hard to build your roster in a way where it is sustainable because you're going to find the right guys. And then to your point, pay them. Somebody mentioned uh, Ryan Sproverio, uh, Mm -hmm. Sproviero says not keeping Brunson. Yeah, that's, that's true. When you find somebody who does fit with Luca, you probably should have done more to try to keep him. Yeah. Uh, Steven says, can you guys rank your top five players ever or this season? Assuming this season. Yeah. Top, top uh, five players this season? If it's 
or just top five players in the league right now. Yeah, Gabe, tell us, Stephen, what, what it is you're asking, and then we'll do it. Yeah. Is it is it ever, or are you talking about right now this season? Let us know, and uh, and, and we'll get to that. Uh, this is something we should mention that maybe isn't getting enough coverage here. Kawhi Leonard is, man, he has been killing it lately. I don't know if you saw uh, the Clippers in OKC last night. Um, OKC is tremendous, and they were going blow for blow with the, with the Clippers through the first half, a mm-hmm. uh, good part of the third quarter, and then and the Clippers pulled away. But uh, the Clippers were hanging right there with OKC, I felt like, because Kawhi just didn't miss. I mean, just every single pull-up jumper was just going down. And he doesn't even put that much arc on his shot. It's a little bit of a, of a flat shot, and it just goes in. It just He even has an – and he gets the friendliest of roles, seems like every single time he is playing some absolutely incredible basketball. And that's going to be critical for the Clippers right now who are – um, maybe in position to pass the Suns, right? They're they're tied in terms of the number of game ba- games back. The Clippers have one more loss, but they could potentially pass a Suns team that has struggled without Kevin Durant. Um, now no Paul George for the Clippers, but if they're going to do anything here, even if they're just going to hang on to the five seed, Kawhi's going to have to continue to be great uh, down the home stretch for them. And, and so far he has been. Yeah, and we, we talked about it a little bit, too, when Paul George got hurt, who are the, um, like, making it just staying alive. And does Kawhi need to play back-to-backs now? Do you, you kind of mm-hmm. still continue with the path you've been on? Or do you need to leave him in there longer and those kind of things? So definitely in a spot where, where we need to see, uh, see – you know, a little bit more probably out of him. But, yeah, he is playing unbelievable. He has, you know, been absolutely dominant. All right, Stephen came back. He said oh, he top five current. Oh, top five current players in the NBA. I mean, I think the the three MVP candidates are the are the yep. easiest ones, right? You go you, in whatever order you want to put them, uh, Giannis, Embiid, Jokic, right? Those those three are in there. Four and five is, I think, For where – it's Tatum and Luka. Okay, so you go you go Tatum and, and Luca. Yeah. I think that's yeah. I can see it. I can see yeah. going go with that. I mean, who else I mean, are you I love KD, like, right? But, but, he's been injured. Yeah, he's only gonna play sixty games a year. That's the most. problem. Yeah, you know, those are the problem with KD, LeBron, you know, a couple guys like that. So yeah, I it this actually wasn't that hard for me to get to those five guys. Because they think they're all they're either incredible or they're just a notch below incredible, but available almost all the time. So, but I mean, let me, yeah, we we've given them a lot of praise already in this show, um, and, and I've been talking about a lot because I've been talking about you know OKC and, and they're playing the Lakers tonight and they're playing the Clippers last night and they're mixed the play, of the playoff race. Um, Shea Gilgis Alexander is not far off. He's he's not far off from being in that mix. He has been absolutely fantastic. He gets to the free throw line essentially whenever he wants. He gets to his spots, and this is what I tend to look for in a in a young player when things really click with them. And I don't think it's not like they suddenly click for SGA, but he gets to his spot with ease. Like it doesn't look like he is trying to figure out what to do anymore. It looks like the game is has slowed down. And he just knows exactly where he wants to get to, exactly where his shot's going to come from. And he knocks it down with insane proficiency. I mean, he's over 50% from the field right now. He is 
if he's not in it in the mix for top five right now, I think he he is next season. Yeah, I I agree with with that. He's definitely an All NBA guard for me for sure. And somebody asked, uh, will Jalen Brown make All NBA uh, this year? There's major contract implications with that, and you know if he does, will he make it a, as a forward? He almost has to make it as a forward because the guard line's just too loaded uh, for him to make it. But yeah, I'm with you with SGA. He's right right on the borderline with that jaw is up there too. I mean, he's, you know, absolutely incredible Steph still, you know, I'm not going to take Steph out of that mix either yet. So, I mean, the main thing is every time I look at this, I'm like, man, this league is just so loaded uh, with, with talent. Now it's, I I don't remember any time the NBA has ever been deeper than it is right now. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, Can Austin Reeves play a similar role to Maxi for the 76ers? Uh, Similar role. Sure. I mean, they're not the same player, but I mean, I think he kind of, does right he, he like, is right now yeah whether he starts or comes off the bench his main thing is like get you know play make and get us baskets so yeah i think it's probably yeah they're not the same kind of guys but yeah i think so and he's a better defender than maxi is mm-hmm. uh which is also a, a slight benefit to him being in more um more different kind of lineups um because i think if doc rivers had a better option at the end of games defensively to put out there i think he would um, but he doesn't really have one, so he just runs with Maxi at the end of games. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, Reeves is really good. All right, let's do let's do one more here. This is interesting, and because I think this this I want to say James Harden did this. Kegels Bagels, big question. Uh, with the Lamar Jackson situation in the NFL, do you think there is ever a similar situation in the NBA where stars are able to get big money deals without agents? Didn't Harden yeah. do that for a little bit? Yeah, uh, Jalen Brown did that on his last yeah. contract too. Um, to some extent, it's even easier because of the if you're a max guy, there are guys who are like, What do I need an agent for? If I'm a max yeah. guy, like I, I'm just giving away three percent of my contract for just for no reason. If I know like I'm walking in tomorrow and they're gonna say, Okay, here's your max deal or your max extension, I can just do that without an agent i don't really need one so yeah it's generally i mean that's now where you need an agent like where harden then when got someone to function as an agent was when he wanted traded and all those mm-hmm. things because your agent's the one doing all that the, the backroom meetings and all that sort of stuff but yeah i mean could could be you know um it's just it's relatively rare because guys want to make sure they're not getting uh you know screwed over i guess is the most honest right. and best way to put it. So yeah, I think so. Um, you guys, let's not now you're going nuts in the chat. Sorry to get off topic here, Trevor. But it's uh, you know, people are comparing SGA and Austin Reeves. Like, let's oh, that's <laughs> not. I I think people are doing. I'm assuming anyway. They're joking. Yeah. Oh, hopefully uh, that's having some Friday fun here. Uh, yeah. And maybe they've dipped into the after work beverages a little early on a Friday. <laughs> that's that's possible. It's yeah. five o'clock somewhere, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, um, probably. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Stockton and Ray Allen make deals without agents. Yeah, maybe. Somebody asked too, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this. And I thought it was yeah. kind of, it, it was sad, but also, um, you know, kind of touching on the impact with it. Did you see the KG stuff about part of why he made up with Ray Allen? No, I, I didn't. caught it. Uh-uh. Uh, it was because of Kobe passing. He was oh. like, after Kobe passed, he's like, I was like, I can't, like, this is stupid. I can't go 
the rest of my life being mad at Ray Allen over basketball stuff. He's like, that was my brother, yo, and all that stuff. So, you know, that's, uh, you know, that to me, wish it didn't happen. I'd rather have KG still mad at Ray Allen. Um, but it's, you know, it's kind of, you know, interesting to see him talk about that. Like after he's like, you know, that was enough. I don't need to do that. Certainly makes a lot of, a lot of other things in life seem very trivial that we get, very wrapped up in right and that's and, and look that's keith is part of why we do what we do is we can get mm-hmm. absorbed in the in this stuff and everything and that's it and it's you know obviously important but uh there's things that are are much more important i think that's and glad that uh glad that kg and ray allen uh did that yeah yeah absolutely i mean and that's the the, the good thing you're there for for sure with this there's a lot of uh a lot of good stuff in here, guys, but we are uh, basically up and out of time here on Friday. So yep. um, we'll do this uh, next next uh, ne- next Friday, too, and going to keep keep moving forward with, with this. We're having a lot of fun with these you know, uh, front office Fridays and doing all this stuff back and forth with, with you guys and everything. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. By the, when we get to it next week, though, we'll be like, that's it. Like, we're down to like a week left in the season uh, at that mm-hmm. point, which is absolutely incredible. I uh, you know, I, I can't believe the regular season's just wrapping up. It's been a long season, and at the same time, feels like it just started. Absolutely yeah. crazy. Absolutely crazy. All right, everybody. Thank you guys so much for joining us here on Front Office Friday. Have a fantastic weekend. Make sure you are subscribing to the YouTube channel, as well as the podcast feed over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. See ya, and stay safe. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.